Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Rodney Barnes. Rodney is a veteran award-winning screenwriter and producer who has established himself as a Hollywood mainstay. His vibrant and emphatic voice and producing expertise is exemplified in an array of some of the industry's largest and most influential programs. From Adult Swim's The Boondocks to Marvel's Runaways to Star's American Gods to Hulu's Wu-Tang and American Saga, Rodney has displayed a versatility in a variety of genres. Rodney is currently an executive producer and a writer for HBO's tentatively titled Showtime, which chronicles the professional and personal lives of the 1980s Showtime Lakers during the team's wild and fast-paced golden years. His new graphic novel, Philadelphia, was released in November 2019 through Image Comics, and he's currently also working on an untitled monster movie for New Regency. Philadelphia has been optioned, he's working on the script for that, and he's also working on a novel. Rodney, that's a lot of things. You're also a friend of the podcast you've been on before, so welcome back. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Happy to be here. When we last left off, you were in town for the filming of Wu-Tang and American Saga, but since that time, you've obviously worked on a ton of projects. You released a graphic novel, like you said, you're working on all these projects. And obviously, there's been a lot going on since we last talked to you. Quarantine, George Floyd protest. Walk us through everything from your perspective over the past year or so. From me personally or for the world? Which would you prefer? Maybe everything from when we were last together. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's sort of, um, it's funny you kind of just go from place to place. It's kind of like being in the circus, one of those little traveling circuses that go from city to city. Seems like every year, every year kind of fields its own new adventures. Last we met, I was doing Wu-Tang and now I'm doing Showtime. And just a bunch of development. I mean, I think for me, I mean, the biggest thing is trying to integrate comics and more literary stuff into TV and film sort of all converges in a weird type of way. I try to keep it all sort of little file cabinet in my brain as to, because each one has its own process and its own um, mechanics, which isn't easy. As far as the world is concerned, it's funny because for the most part, I'm an introvert. And as a middle-aged guy, I don't go outside very much. It's a weird thing. When I was a kid, you couldn't keep me from being outside. Now I love inside. So sort of, you know, via TV, you see what's going on in the world. And it's not um, it's not the, the friendliest of atmospheres out there right now. But I think it's a necessary evolution to whatever we're going to decide as a nation to be. So. You know, as Dave Chappelle would say, the streets are talking and whatever they conclude, they conclude. As far as COVID is concerned, I mean, I, again, not going outside was never a big thing for me, you know, since I started writing. I mean, there's always a reason to be in my office and be tucked away from other human beings. Uh, I hate to see what's going on with uh, 
the world as far as the economy and business and people hurting the way that they are. But that said, looks like the world is opening back up again. So we'll see what happens. You mentioned some of the things that are going on in the world right now. Before we get into process, can you tell us with everything going on, what are some ways that writers can utilize their craft to promote positive change in the world? Are there some things you'd suggest? Well, I I mean, I think as it pertains to writers of color or black writers, whichever you prefer, I think the more opportunity with um, being able to tell honest stories about what life as whatever you are really is and not having to filter it through um, the prism of one idea can really be helpful in just the education of how we see other cultures and how we see other people. I think oftentimes the television I grew up with gave a one-dimensional idea of what it meant to be anything, any of the others, you know, women, LGBTQs, people of color, you know, uh, very rarely do you get an honest depiction unless you're in like independent film or independent, there's not a lot of independent TV, but independent film. I think the more we get to the truth of who we are versus sort of a caricature of what culture is, the closer we get to being able to have that melting pot that they told me about in school when I was a kid of what America really is. It's hard when you have, um, you know, a one-dimensional idea leads to a one-dimensional relationship, I think. And that's never good. And so I think storytellers telling stories from their hearts, telling stories that are true, hopefully will get us to a place where we'll be a stronger, better, more empathetic nation. Love it. As we move into process, I would love to talk about your process for writing, specifically maybe for both TV writing and you're also a producer, and writing a graphic novel. It would be cool to kind of maybe dive into those processes and see kind of what the differences are. Um, Is that cool for you? Yeah, I mean, I think um, they all start with story. So for me, as soon as I can nail a story down and begin the process of having the pieces of a story in my head, it starts to write itself. The good thing about television is it's like a regular job in the way that I knew a regular job to be before I started writing professionally. It's mostly Monday through Friday, and there's a regularness to it that sort of um, forces me to get up every day and write. I'm a terrible procrastinator, and Stephen Pressfield has this great book, The War of Art. And it talks about resistance with writing in particular, but life in general, that desire to not do the thing that you want to do for a myriad of reasons. And um, being a TV writer certainly helps with that because every day you got to kind of put your ass in the seat and do the thing. So that starts, for the most part, TV writing starts my day. If if I have a comic book due and or graphic novel, as they say, um, and I know I'm on deadline, if I have a 10 o'clock writing start for the TV show, I typically get up around seven and put in two and a half hours on the book and 
do the TV show uh, for the better part of the day. And then whenever I stop, maybe put in a few more hours on the book. The books are relatively quick. You can do one in a few days to a week. And um, it's just a matter of pecking away. But the TV part kind of energizes the brain to get you used to actually writing, to get me ready to, to go and to do the thing. Before we dive further into that process, you're working on a ton of projects. How are you mm-hmm. getting these gigs? You know, obviously before Marvel's Runaways led to, you know, another project, ultimately the Hulu project. Tell us kind of how one gig leads to another. How many are people approaching you versus you starting your own? I imagine the graphic novel, maybe you started on your own. How did these all come about? It's usually 50-50. I get a good amount of uh, calls through my manager slash agency. Um, on a regular basis, I think the, you know, and some of them come from relationships. Showtime sort of came through uh, Max Bornstein, who I've been working with since vinyl, second season, unproduced season of vinyl, season two. We wrote a movie of Ark of Justice together. Screenplay got on the blacklist. We're still hoping to get it made at some point. And uh, now we're here. So that was mostly the relationship between the two of us. and. Uh, we tend to work together a good amount. The other TV shows, basically, studios and networks will call my manager and he will reach out to me and send me things and ask me if I'm interested in taking a look at something. And whether it's um, it's a lot of genre stuff now because that's sort of the space that I want to be in. I get a, a good amount of that coming through on a weekly basis. And the other things are mostly, they come through development whether it's an idea I had or an idea a producer had that he or she thought I would be um, right for. We start talking and we start putting the pieces together and usually it means I have to go away and come up with an idea and keep molding it and shaping it until everybody digs it. But it can come, I mean, at this point, work comes from a myriad of places. I mean, writing as an occupation is difficult at all of the stages from the business of it. You have periods of feast or famine. So, you know, there are periods around 2011 through 2013, maybe early 2014. I wasn't, it was hard. You know, there was feast. And then shortly thereafter, things started to pick up and, you know, come to where they are today. But I had a good run from 2000 to 2010, 2011. And you know, there are peaks and valleys in this. So for me, it was more of um, trying to figure out a way just from a business place and my personal interest, what I've always wanted to do. I've loved comic books for the better part of my life, and I've loved reading in general. So getting into comics, getting into writing novels from a business standpoint, another revenue stream, and not just revenue as far as um, money. But, you know, my mental space, when I'm not working on a TV or film, I always have some place to go. You know, when I don't have any place to go, that's when anxiety rises and, you know, oh my God, my career's over. The fatalistic stuff starts to creep in. So if I always have something to do, if I'm always beholden to some project, big or small, you know, I'm busy. So... I just try to figure out ways to keep writing, stay busy, and 
expand on what I've done. So as I age, I'm able to sort of, as much as you can control your destiny. It's funny being on Wu-Tang last year, how cold it was in New York. And I'm like, I remember a time when I loved being on set. Like being on set was the most <laughs> fun in the world. And I was sitting out there freezing. I took a picture, I think, Facebook. I'd never been that cold before. And I'm like, okay, the clock is ticking down on me doing this, just coming out at four in the morning and standing out in the cold to make television or film. So, you know, it's um, to answer your question, comes from a myriad of places, whether it's from my representatives or word of mouth or me generating it uh, intrinsically. The work comes from a myriad of places. Tell us about the early stages of developing an idea. So you mentioned some gigs come to you and some you create on your own. Can you walk us through maybe what it's like for TV coming up with an idea versus writing your own graphic novel coming up with an idea? I mean, they both kind of come from the same place. For the comic book stuff, another reason for doing the comic book stuff, there were ideas that I had that I couldn't sell through TV or film. And I still thought that they were worthy ideas that they deserved to have some, you know, they deserved to be a story that someone else could read. And so I began to just, uh, I met Jason Sean Alexander about a decade ago. And we had been bouncing around the idea. He's my artist on uh, Philadelphia and co-creator. And, um, you know, I just had some ideas. And every once in a while, I would bounce one off. And when I told him the idea for Philadelphia, he dug it. And we decided to uh, put it together and make a thing. But, you know, oftentimes, for me, where ideas come from, sometimes they come very specifically. Like, Philadelphia was... I had that in my head since I was like eight years old and always love horror films, still do. And in bits and pieces, like the father-son part of the story came later with my relationship with my father and my son. I just kind of mashed it in there together and figured out a way to make that my uh, protagonist team. And then, um, you know, with the vampire thing, that was just a love of the mythology that comes with vampires. And in an urban space, I hadn't seen a lot of stuff over the course of my life that I loved. You know, usually the idea was kind of cool. Like the idea for Blackula is cool. And even how they got into the story was cool, but then it sort of went left after a while. So oftentimes it's just um, a gut feeling that an area can be explored. And if I give it enough time, I'm confident enough that if I just stick with an idea long enough and I just play with it long enough, I'll be able to find something that I find um, satisfying that's worthy of developing into, you know, whatever I want it to be, whether it be a book or whether it be a TV show. And it's similar, you know, with television as well. If I have an idea that's um, like an original, I find a tone. I sit there and I ruminate with it and I play with the I play with the different plot points and beats and themes and the different things that I want to um, go into the material. And then uh, it's just a matter of sitting down and staying with it long enough until it becomes what you want it to be. Tell us about the experience of working in a writer's room 
versus when you're working on a graphic novel. I imagine that's a more solitary process. I mean, I think um, comics, it's funny because I started writing comics for Marvel and I had no idea. You can tell from my first comics too that I had no idea what I was doing. And it was a great (laughs) training ground for me to learn and figure out the relationship between words and art versus uh, media. And it was a great, uh, it's just a great lesson. You know, the comic books have their own culture. Twitter, they can tell you immediately how much they hate you. Um, They don't have to wait. And just social media in general, or love you, it's according to, you know, whether they love or hate you. And um, I had to learn all of that stuff. Each thing kind of has its own rhythm and pacing and culture and world as to um, how it lives in its own space. Like TV is different than film, is different than comics, is different than novels. So uh, that was always, it's always exciting to learn something new. They can both be, um, they both have their pluses and minuses. It's like in writing comics, when you're doing something by yourself and you have no boundaries, there's an excitement that's there, but for me, there's an insecurity that's there too. And battling that is always, always a, uh, a challenge. In a writer's room, when you have other writers, and you have solid writers, it could be a beautiful thing. I mean, you could feel like it's a team and you don't, all the pressure isn't on you to come up with everything. And then people come from different places in the world and, you know, their experiences and can lend a different way into story than you had for yourself. So there are pluses and minuses for both. Sometimes I like being by myself and I think the pandemic has certainly over the past 90 days placed me in a place where I'm getting used to being on Zoom every day versus having to get up and drive. That's kind of cool. But I also miss collaborating with, um, you know, there's a reality, I think, that comes with communicating with creative people that is its own unique thing. It's like the hardest thing in the world is writing for 10 hours with people who look at the world a particular way and then leaving that world and having to go back into the real world where a lot of things and ideas may not be processed the same way. But I like both. Tell us about the difference in the outlining process of whether it's a TV show. I imagine you are plotting arcs across multiple episodes as opposed to a graphic novel where, you know, if it's just one book, you know, you're plotting it in one book, or if it's a series, you know, what are the similarities and differences? For comic books as well as TV, for the most part, everything's serialized. So you're still, the thing that you're doing now is still connecting to another thing, and you have to be cognizant of that. And I sort of got better as a comic book writer when I started writing comics like I wrote TV. My first comics, I tried to write like comic books. I was writing outside of the story, and I was writing to... um, what I thought the audience might like. And then with Philadelphia, I began to write it like a TV show where, you know, it would be a big A story with some serialized elements to it. The outlining process is very similar. Uh, I think the thing with comic book scripts are they're a little more, they're a little sparse. So that's the thing that makes it quicker. And when you're working with an artist like Jason and I now, we're going into our second arc. 
story arc on Philadelphia. So we pretty much know each other's strengths and we try to complement each other as much as possible. So it makes it a lot easier because we're truly like partners. With TV, because there are more voices involved as far as producers and network studio folks, I just turned in an outline for a pilot that was roughly 25, 26 pages. And uh, it was as detailed as anything I've ever written. So, you know, they both sort of complement one another because they're serialized. It's just one is quicker because it's less detail-oriented. A comic book can be 20, mostly 20 pages. Philadelphia was 22. So if you think the outline for a TV script or my one hour was 22, 23 pages, whereas the whole, the entire book for a comic book is 22 pages. You can imagine that the outline is a lot shorter for me. And sometimes if I know the story well enough, I can just um, kind of make a skeleton outline and just sort of plot it as I'm plotted in a skeleton type way and sort of go off of that because I have so much detail in my head that I sort of already know the story. But the insecurity always makes me outline because, you know, you can forget things or you always want to um, connect to the next door. Make sure you hit all the beats that you have to hit. What about the script? Obviously, TV, film, and comics have different styles. TV and film being more similar. Comic book scripts being a little bit more, you know, elusive. Marvel Method, full script. Walk us through the differences between those. Do you have preferences? Not really. I mean, I wish I did. It's funny. I get to a place now where it's all the work, regardless of what it is. I sort of approach it the same. Uh, Which one is due first? Who's yelling at me the loudest to get it in? (laughs) You know, it's I really don't, you know, uh, compartmentalize. It's all like, okay, I've got the book to do. I've got to do that first or. You know, the hardest times are when there are things in between. Like if I had to do one of these midday and I started one thing and I had stopped to do this, it's hard to jump back in for me mentally because, you know, just focus is difficult from time to time. But I don't really, um, you know, they're all sort of the same to me. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash writerexperience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writer experience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favorite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favorite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favorite film will be next. 
Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flickr and Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. As far as production, obviously with film and TV, there's a crew, a whole team that's filming and capturing and putting you know the shots together to tell the story. With a graphic novel, there's an artist drawing the story. Mm-hmm. Are there any comparisons between those two processes? Just the collaborative nature of both. I mean, I think the hardest thing for me to learn, and Jason was really good at it with helping me, my bridge between the early stuff I did at Marvel and doing Philadelphia was that, um, again, it was a relationship between words and art. Like, if you have too many words and you can't see the art, it's sort of annoying for the reader. And I had to get that down. For TV, it's with dialogue. With TV, it's like um, unnecessary dialogue within a script. It's very similar. The words can get in the way visually as much as they do on the page visually as well. And I sort of had to learn to less is more. What about the editing process? I imagine with a graphic novel, you probably had an editor involved. And obviously on a TV show, you've got actual editors. Are there any similarities between those? Yeah, I mean, it's similar to in the end, when uh, uh, the end of the last question that you asked, when I was talking about um, dialogue and chopping it down. An editor, in comics, is another set of eyes. But in um, television, producers and other writers if you're in a writer's room, do the same thing when they read your work. They both give opinions as to what's necessary and what's not. I think um, as I've evolved as a writer, some things that I thought were absolutely necessary in uh, the early part of my career are absolutely unnecessary at this point. You realize just, you know, you don't need all those words. And the editor is good. And my editors at Marvel were very helpful in the beginning of explaining all of this stuff to me, whereas now it kind of comes relatively second nature. Just you can look at a book and tell that it's too many words. But a good editor can come in and help you with your transitions and help you uh, help you with getting across what you want to say the same way a great producer can do the same thing as well. So yes, there, there are many similarities. As far as all of the projects you're working on, obviously we've talked about how prolific you are and how many different projects you're juggling at once. I would love to get into the actual detailed, I know you briefly brought it up, but how you're managing everything. Obviously, you have an assistant. Are you a list person? You mentioned compartmentalizing, but how do you compartmentalize? And how do you not let it stress you out as well? All these it always problems. stresses me out. That's why it's so difficult to get in the gym and get healthy. At least that's what I tell myself. It is very stressful. I tend to push it down. It's weird because it's a, it's a plus to it and a minus. Uh, my, the way my anxiety works is if I can, being, having my brain active, like actively doing a thing, is the way to best service how my anxiety works in regards to writing. Like if I'm sitting there and there's, in quotes, nothing to do, I'm going to find something to do whether it's worry, whether it's uh, buy stuff, whether it's eating something, whether it's something. So having a bunch of different things always gives me something to do. And 
that kind of settles my mind. There are times when everything's working in concert. It's great. Like I have enough time to do the books. I have enough time to do TV. Things are working. People are liking the stuff. It's heaven. It's says nirvana on steroids. It's the greatest thing ever. Then there's the flip side to it when no one's happy with what you're doing. And, you know, the book has to be done a week sooner. So I thought I had an extra week that I don't have anymore. And that kind of bleeds over into another project that was due at the same time. That makes it pretty hard. My assistant, Carlos, does a good job at keeping the calendar. And, you know, he's very good with uh, research and helping me put things together and a myriad of different things when it comes to development and process. You know, if I have, um, I have a couple of historical projects and he's good at collecting information and highlighting things that I need to know. And sometimes if I have to do an adaptation of a book, He'll read the book too. And when I'm going through the process of uh, an outline or synopsis, he'll say, he'll remind me of something that happened during that period of time that I may have left out or maybe didn't nail in the same way. You know, he's really good with keeping me from not rushing. That's when I do my worst work and I'm doing it to get it in versus doing it because it's ready to go in or turning it in when it's ready to go in. But it's a challenge all the way around. I mean, I think um, it started because in the beginning, I noticed that a lot of writers would, they would have that one job and then they would wait until they lost that job to get another job. And I was like, I don't know how you can pay a mortgage and do all the things that you have to do with such uncertainty, because you don't know when one job ends, when you're going to get the next job. So I started to develop while I had a job so that I always had some place to go, you know, in a perfect world. And if you do different things, there are different places to go. Like I've done game shows, I've done commercials, I've done reality shows, I've done virtually every form of writing, award shows, everything. And most of that has come from not wanting to be beholden to one thing. You know, whether it's a joke, whether it's a one hour, whether it's a movie, whether it's a miniseries, it's all stories, just different size stories. You know, whether they're little three minute stories or, you know, three hour stories, they're still stories. And if you can take that thinking into different arenas, you can develop different ways of being able to sustain yourself when one is down. You mentioned the blacklist earlier. I wanted to cover from maybe three different perspectives, how writers can use different techniques and resources to get their foot in the door. Obviously, Blacklist is a way you know a screenwriter can get their work out there. Maybe starting with a TV writer, how would you suggest a TV writer maybe has their first script? How would they get their foot in the door? I get asked that question a lot, and I don't really know of like a particular way a specific way, because you could talk to 10 writers and you could get 10 different ideas as to 10 different stories as to how they got in. I mean, um, for me, and I think we covered this before, I was a production assistant for a long time. I would write on the side and then I got serious about it and then started submitting my work everywhere. The blacklist and things like it are helpful because they get, um, 
it's a standard that you have to hit. And I think anytime you're beholden, I think that's the going from wanting to be in it to actually being in it is a matter of making the most of your talent. So anytime that you can have someone critique your work or going through a process, because I'll say for me, I used to write three or four drafts of a script. And then in my mind, it was done. And then I started to work with people who helped me to, you know, that's a good start, but it's not done until it's done. And that could be 20 drafts, that could be 40 drafts, that could be 100 drafts. Regardless of what it is, you know, you're not done until you're done. And I didn't know what that meant until I actually started to read other writers' work, you know, more polished work than my own, read scripts from, you know, movies that I loved or TV shows that I loved or comic books that I loved. And you start to see a certain polish that um, they had that my rougher work in the beginning didn't have. And it really only comes through continuously rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. Things like the Blacklist, various fellowships, writing competitions, anything that keeps you in the process of continuously refining your work and making it a natural part of your process, the refining of the work, is something that, for me, I think made me better and continues to make me better. I mean, I have scripts that I have a pilot, let's say it doesn't go. And what I'll do is I'll continue over the years to refine it as I get better, as I see things that maybe a year ago weren't part of my arsenal, and now they are. I'll keep working on a script and making it better and better and better because people always want to see samples anyway. So refining my samples as I'm doing other work as well is a way that I think my work has gotten better. But that comes... Places like, you know, the Blacklist and others, I think, Fade In used to have a competition. My email box is full of them every day of people with script competitions. All of that stuff, I think, are great ways to get people to see your work and also to keep you in the mix of always being busy as a writer because I think it's like a muscle that you have to develop your mind as a muscle. You covered from both a TV writer and a screenwriter of film as well. What about comic writers? Is there a separate way that aspiring comic writers would approach getting their you know, books published or writing for a big publisher? Wow. I was fortunate that I worked on Runaways and I made Marvel Publishing aware that that was something that I wanted to do, which helped me get a leg in. All I really know is making things helps get you out there. So people have web comics now. They're independent publishers of all shapes and sizes. There's independent publishing as well. I don't know of a particular path like to say how you become a DC comics writer or a Marvel comics writer or even an image comics writer. All I know is the thing that has helped me is continuously making things. So, you know, when you go up to someone, you get an opportunity and they say, I'm editor so-and-so at whatever publishing company. You say, oh, that's great. I'm so-and-so. I'm a writer. And uh, the first thing they're going to say is, oh, let me see your work. And if you don't have any work and you decide to wait until someone asks you for work, then that's not a good look. But if you already have things that you're doing, 
that you can send to people so that they can evaluate your work. I think there's a respect that um, comes with that as well as um, being able to show that you're really serious about that and really be able to be uh, evaluated by um, editors. And that's the only way I know as far as moving ahead is having editors and, and people within the industry evaluate your work and see that you're worthy of an opportunity. Rodney, are you ready for a few bonus questions? We call a series of seemingly Please. random questions. There's no better way to spend my day than answering questions. <laughs> the first question, you mentioned revenue stream earlier, making money from your work. For those writers listening, what are the ways to get multiple sources of income, maybe passive income from your writing? Again, I think it's up to A, what you want to do, how much time you have on your hands, what you're willing to do. I mean, for me, I've always approached writing from a place of terror. Like, I've always been afraid. I come from a small town, and I come from a town where there weren't a lot of writers, at least, um, or at least a lot of people living off of writing as their uh, main job. And so my biggest fear was being unemployed, you know, so I always look for different ways. I mean, I think it's such a big question that I'm not exactly sure how to answer it because that would mean I would have all the answers, which I don't. But for me, it's my willingness to do virtually any kind of writing. If you look at my IMDb page, you see different things. And a lot of that is just learning how to do things on the fly, learning award shows, learning reality shows, learning just different ways of continuously being able to continue to stay in the game. And so to me, that's the biggest, that's the foundation of your question. It's like, how do you stay in the game? I just keep knocking on a bunch of doors and I try to be creative and like, okay, if I see a commercial, you know, see these Geico commercials now, and a lot of them are done by marketing firms. I am not afraid to reach out to a marketing firm and say, hey, I'm Rodney Barnes. I do X, Y, Z. You know, how would one do what you guys do, you know? I've done that before. I did it again with comic books. I let them know I was interested in writing comics. I never knew they were going to actually give me one, but I took a shot. And like I said, it was bumpy ride in the beginning, but I got better and better and better. I think I try to just do that with everything so that there's always something to do. The next bonus question. I believe we might've asked you this, although I believe that was something like 60 to 70 episodes ago. So. Maybe we'll ask you again. If you could take any writer, living or dead, to any fast food restaurant, which writer would you choose and which restaurant and why? James Baldwin. been reading a lot of Baldwin lately. And I would love to talk to James Baldwin. There's a little spot on in L.A. on Slauson and La Brea, I think it is, called Simply Wholesome. And even though it gets loud on the weekends, I would love to sit out on the patio and just talk to him about the craft and his life. You know, there are times when I'll go to YouTube and I'll listen to documentaries or interviews or things that Baldwin has talked about, and it always, always walk away with something. I'd say Baldwin, because of his insight into just life and culture, has always been interesting to me. And Ernest Hemingway. It's funny, I'm a huge Stephen King fan, but I've had the opportunity to talk to um, Mr. King, and that was uh, that affected my life in a positive way. 
but um, I'm a big Ernest Hemingway fan as well. And um, it's funny. If I could have James Baldwin, Ernest Hemingway, and Richard Matheson, and uh, we could stagger the lunch to dinner thing, like we could go to three <laughs> different places because I wouldn't want them all to trip over each other. And uh, <laughs> it's a different conversation for each. I think um, that would be my three that I'd love to be able to sit and talk with and chop up shop. And mostly what I ask writers who are, who've been doing this longer than me is how you balance life. You know, how do you make life and writing work? Because as an independent contractor, which is primarily what I am, you sort of have to discipline and manage your own life and managing your life and your art. Is not easy for me? It's like no one trained you how to do this. You have to do it yourself. And I think I'm better at it now than I was in the beginning, but there's still some growth that needs to be made. And um, I'd love to be able to talk to all of them about that. If one of our writers listening were to choose to take you out to lunch, what is one thing, one piece of advice that you would offer up over that lunch? And where would you want them to take you? Oh, man, if they're taking me someplace, someplace... um, Someplace by the ocean. Some I don't know why, but food seems to taste better by the ocean. What would I like for them to ask me? I mean, when I was uh, first starting out, I had no idea all of the different hats you have to wear as a professional writer. I didn't know that you had to kind of be your own hype man, your own rep, your own... um, I didn't know personality came into it as much. I didn't know... You know, you have to be your own business manager and your own disciplinarian. I only looked at the writing part of it. And in college, they didn't tell me about this. Maybe they did. I wasn't paying attention. But I would just talk about the life stuff. It's like the craft is what it is, but how you manage your life, your interpersonal relationships, um, your significant others, all of that stuff goes into how. I manage, like, when my life isn't going well, it reflects in my work. And finding people who understand the emotional toll that it takes for me to write sometimes is difficult. So it's like, I would talk about just the writer's life, you know, what that journey's been like for me and uh, what pitfalls I'd say to look out for. Love it. Well, thank you, Rodney. Before we go, obviously you're working on a ton of different things. Is there anything in particular you'd want to plug or shout out? Philadelphia. I guess we just got issue six in. And we have our trade collection should be out next month around July the 10th, I think. And then um, we start our second arc in August the 8th. And I'm excited about that. And um, some exciting upcoming philadelphia related news that i can't say here so i don't even know why i said it just seems wrong that i even (laughs) teased it and i can't even follow up it's early in the morning and i'm sleepy i guess that's what it is but i'd say that's about it i mean everything else is in various stages of development and who knows with the pandemic how long that'll be before it hits the screen so i'll shut up about that but the comic books are going strong so there you go and as far as your long-term plan, is there something that milestone-wise that you're looking to achieve? Obviously, you've done so much. So what are the goals that you've set um, for yourself? It's funny. You said I've done so much, and in my mind, I've done nothing. 
I think continuously getting better at this or trying to get better at this, the process, doing things that are closer to my heart, the genre stuff I love, most of the drama stuff. I've always wanted to kind of um, leave some sort of imprint. When you look at the turbulent times that we're living through right now, I'd love to be one of the voices and advocates for change in a positive way via my work. And I'd say that's the goal until I check out is to hopefully do things that, you know, just kind of stoke people's imaginations and hopefully make life a little less adversarial. I can say for me that the Stephen Kings and the Richard Mathesons and the J. California Coopers and the Baldwins and all of the different writers that I love, in periods and times in my life when I was alone, lonely, depressed, those writers' works were things that kept me going. You know, Alan Moore, Frank Miller, you know, it's, uh, they mean so much to me. Some I've met, some I haven't met, but still they're all like connected like a big family inside my head so that even in the worst of times, I still don't give in to the darkness as much as I could. And I'd love to be that for someone. I think life is difficult, but when you can find things of meaning to sort of uh, whisk you on through life, I'd like to be on the positive side of that for anyone who needs it. Love that. Well, thank you, Rodney. As always, we appreciate your insights and your time and taking time out of a very busy schedule to talk with us and share your insights. And I know that those will be helpful for those listening. So thank you so much. You're more than welcome. Well, thank you again, Rodney. And thank you to our listeners. We hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.